Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Welcome back to another episode of PSG Talking. I'm Tyrone Taylor, joined as always by my two brothers, James and John. Um, packed show this week as we get ready to talk about PSG's 5-1 win against Lille our upcoming match against Rennes, and of course, the Champions League date with Real Madrid at the park. Fellas, how we doing? John, checking with you first, man. What's up? Pretty good, pretty good, man. Can't complain. It's getting getting kind of warm out here in, in North Carolina, so I'm like y'all boys, you know, with the, with the warm weather and whatnot, but uh, we good, man. Glad to be back on here to talk uh, about these matches coming up, so yeah, let's get it, man. It's getting warm. You heard him, James? He's starting, <laughs> to pack, he's starting to pack the sweaters away, bring the t-shirts out, yeah, playing a little yeah. footy outside. Yeah, he outside. We back we outside, outside already. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, man, I'm excited to be here as well. Uh, reporting live from the West Coast, man. Everything's good over here. Ready to, ready to get started. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Jumping right in. You know, um, 5-1 win against Lille this past weekend. Good win. Um, you know, John, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, you know, I'd love to give my thoughts. I definitely want to get your guys' thoughts on the win this weekend and, and what we saw. What were your, just your initial takeaways and, you know, positives, negatives? Yeah, I think I think it was a, um, a, a good win, obviously. We scored five goals uh, with, like, room to spare. They could have gotten some more. Um, what I was most impressed by was the relentless, the relentlessness in the attack. And if you think about like all the goals except for Mbappe's, they all came off of mistakes from Lille. Like literally, the first goal was you know the goalkeeper didn't parry it out all the way. The second on Kimpembe's goal, goalkeeper didn't get it out all the way. And then um, I forget even when Danilo scored, right? Like his he he shot the ball and it deflected off somebody. When Messi scored, they were trying to clear the ball. They didn't clear it well, but. Although there were mistakes from Lil, it was because of our relentlessness and just continuing to just keep pushing and 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 working for every goal. Uh, so I I like that aspect of it. Uh, but I will I will remind everybody this is not Christopher Gautier's Lil, right? This is not that Lil from last season. They don't have that same defensive pedigree that they you know with Gautier where he got him sitting in the block and counterattacking. This is not that same Lil team. So, you know, from that perspective, I would say to, you know, not don't get your, your hopes too much back up given the, the, the big match against Madrid that's coming up. But it, it's positive, you know, and I think no matter the situation, you know, and it, maybe last podcast people might have said that we did we sounded uh, down and, and, and whatever. But, you know, we'll get to that later. But given all those circumstances, the coach, uh, the coach circumstance, uh, the situation with the ultras and everything going on, we still support this club and I still support this club and going into a big match like Madrid. I do want to see them play well. And, and you know, to, to give us a little bit of, of that, that feeling it was like, all right, they can, they can score a couple of goals and, and only give up one goal and, and they can, they can play well, play with some rhythm. 
But you know, it's this is this is a, a unicorn match in a sense. You know, it's like we haven't seen this that much. This like is it even real? So it, it's kind of hard to comp- compartmentalize it in that way. But you know, I think if you're playing good before a good match, that usually leads to a good result um, in that big match. Uh, so we'll see. But overall, I was I was happy with the win. It was good to see my boy Danilo get get a brace. Big brace boys out here. Uh, I think he's. I think <laughs> I think he's been he's been playing really well, man. And I think that when, when, again, when it comes to Madrid, he he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna start, but he's gonna play in those matches. And it, and again, his the way he defends and the low block is so important for us. So I think he's. I'm glad he's getting that rhythm back. And uh, so yeah, I, I I was happy with the match. But again, I, I'll say that this is not Christopher Galtier's Lille. And a lot of those goals came from mistakes from Lil, but you know we were creating those opportunities, and so that was that was good to see. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think while I do agree that it isn't you know Galtier's Lille, I will say this and, and give credit where it's due in terms of while this is a team that has struggled in the league, they have performed when needed in the Champions League, right? It's kind of one of those teams which, and PSG does this or deals with teams like this. And in all sports, you have like a bogey team that for some reason can't get it right in the in league play, but tends to play up to the to the level, you know, when a big game comes around. So I do agree with the fact that, yes, you know, some of our goals were off deflections or mistakes, but I'll also agree, you know, with the fact that the goals came from a lot of PSG pressure, you know, something like 18 total shots, four or five big chances created. So the pressure was there. Not that stats mean everything, but PSG's XG that game was 3.31. So just based on the output, we were expected to get three goals. Um, the Mbappe goal was, what was a golasso? It's just, it's sick. And, you know, more and more I watch him play, like when he comes in off that, that left-hand side on his right foot, he, we've seen him multiple times you know, thinking back to the Champions League against Barcelona last year, just curling that into the the upper right hand corner, which is just it's just filthy, man. Love to see it. Hopefully, we get one of those, a uh, couple more of those this uh, this season. Hopefully, the Champions League. What do you think, man, James? Man, I think um, this is one of those games that, you know, on the stat sheet, of course, it's always great to win. It's always great to win by a high volume. But if you look at the the body language of the players on the pitch, the composure. There was a level of confidence. There was a level of control um, that it never looked like the game was was out of reach, and they looked like they were having fun playing footy. And that's what you always want to see. I, you know, sometimes we forget that. Well, yeah, this is a job. These are highly tuned, highly trained athletes that are being paid millions to play a sport. They're still doing the thing that they love. And it's always good to see the joy in the play because there is something that's like attached to that. Like seeing that Mbappe goal, the 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 level of composure and confidence doesn't take place if we are down four goals. Like he's not taking that kind of shot. That comes from being uh, or, or having, you know, the game in hand, feeling composed, seeing your opponent saying, there's nothing that you can do to us. And I think you both touched on that, just the, the, the pace, momentum, and relentlessness um, of PSG really, really uh, shine through in, in this performance. And, you know, I got to say, man, Nuno Mendez, 
Let me tell you something, man. Talk about it. Talk about it. Something. The shimmy, the, the hezzy, the body face. That, that hezzy is different. Let me tell you something. I, I fell. I was in my house. <laughs> I fell. That is just, again, that goes back to the, the, the joy in your profession. And when you are in top form, that level of confidence that this gives you that opportunity to, to make those things happen like that. And just seeing Danilo, he's running through people like, excuse me, let me pick this up, let me pick this up, score real quick, get out of my way. You know, to almost to the point where I think on the second goal, he was like cheering by himself for a while because like nobody could believe that the goal went in, right? <laughs> because he just has that confidence in himself. And I I hope that kind of game translates uh, beyond just today. And obviously the opponents that we're going to face uh, coming soon, completely different atmosphere completely different stratosphere of talent but that level of confidence that level of self-belief i hope that travels obviously it's always good seeing Di maria it's great that um you know seeing him play because he's going to give us that extra layer of defense even though ben arfa did cook him to be honest but that's okay you know he's he's not a defensive player but and ben arfa cooks a lot of people he does he does um, but again, just seeing the the team kind of come together, that confidence just exudes off of everyone. I don't know how many uh, shots on target Messi had. He could have had a hat trick the way he was shooting, you know. But the, you can tell and sense the confidence on the ball when when these players are 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 in top form and feeling good and feeling like they want to play with each other. I mean, even Draxler had a little move out there, like. It was crazy, but I want to see that translate as we move deeper into the into the regular season as well as in Champions League. I just want you to know that I I mentally visualize your knee buckling as you watch the game as you walk by the TV when Nuno hit the hit the hezzy. Hurt me. <laughs> hurt me. He stretched them. No, he I... killed him. He killed him, and he's he keeps doing it. He, he doesn't. Yeah, that's his go-to move. So, listen, if if he, you know, if he cooks um, Mendy or who's the who's the other fullback on? Uh, yeah, Carvajal. Mar- Marcelo's not playing. If he cooks Carvajal or Mendy with with one of them Hezdies, he might. I'm, I'm gonna lose it. I don't think Mendy's gonna play, but we'll we'll talk about that. Or oh, he might cook Car- uh, yeah, Carvajal. Yeah, he's, he's a doubt. But no, I agree. I think. The game wasn't perfect. Um, I still think there's a lot of work to be done, but I saw things that don't make me ecstatic, but make me feel more confident, you know, um, going into the game on on Wednesday or Tuesday of next week. And I'll feel even better if we can put a similar performance together tomorrow, you know, against Ren. And I think one thing that was important was Danilo, you know, someone who I'm not his biggest fan, but I do, you know, I know John loves him and, but I do understand the the benefit that he possesses to the team. Right. And I think someone like that, a lot of fans don't like him for whatever reason, or just think that there is, there's an upgrade to him. He's here. He's not going anywhere. And I think Potch, you know, clearly relies on him. So for him to get those two goals, for him to start these matches and build that confidence, I think is going to be key. Cause I do think that from a defensive aspect, he definitely, is a positive and, and not a negative. So happy to see him, um, you know, get two goals. Happy to see him build a little bit of confidence going into next week. 
But more importantly, I think even though he didn't like have a hat trick or anything, um, I thought Messi played relatively well. Yes, he did. You know, and I feel like it was after, right? We had after I had said my piece, uh, not about him, but just about his fit in the team and, and what he we had seen up, yeah, what we had seen up until that point. You know, I guess the the message had reverberated across the across the pond and and into into France, which which was great to see. So I think, you know, him and Mbappe continue to build that chemistry. Really wish Neymar was here to build off that as well, but we'll take what we get, right? And I think, you know, at best, this was a confidence builder. Overall, it was a good match, whether luck was involved or not, or a couple of lucky bounces. Um, that's always going to happen in in football. So we'll take it. I think, you know, we do play tomorrow. Um, we play against Ren. Uh, the time of that game is, I'll tell you guys right now. I don't know. So it's going to be at 1500. So I believe that's three o'clock. Right. I want to say that's three o'clock. Our Eastern, time. Yeah. yeah Eastern. Um, foot mob only blesses me with military time. So trying to, trying to get used Shouts to that. foot mob. Yeah, shout out to Football, man. Definitely the, the one-stop shop for all your, your football stats and information and data. Yes, so, But tomorrow, big game. Um, it's looking like Neymar most likely won't play. They're saying that they are, you know, he's really been working hard. He's been training very, very aggressively. Probably won't get into tomorrow's match, but he should be a go for the bench against Real Madrid. Don't expect Neymar to start, but, you know, we should get a couple minutes of him off the bench. Looks like Paredes will miss the game tomorrow. And Herrera will miss the game tomorrow. And then let me just do a quick little... Sergio Ramos will probably miss the game tomorrow, I think. Oh, he does. Chill out. Chill out. He's going to miss the game. I heard. Heard told me that. It's crazy. Yeah, I almost forgot, but that should have just been an an automatic. I should have just listed that. But let's see. Anyone else? So Paredes has an abductor injury, most likely out versus Ren. And he's a doubt right now for Real Madrid. Neymar rejoined the team this week. He's been doing individual and group work. Won't play tomorrow, um, but should be a go, at least in some capacity, against Real Madrid, which is great to see. Probably get a very, very rusty Neymar. So don't know how much we want to you know, depend on him. But either way, it's, it's good to see the Brazilian king back on the back on the pitch but what are you guys looking for in regards to just this game what are you looking to see are there any players that you're looking to see kind of continue the trajectory or maybe any players that that have maybe recently come back from injury that you're looking to see knowing that some of the you know usuals are going are going to be out or were you expecting to see Neymar play in this game and at least get a couple minutes is that something that you're still holding out kind of hope for uh James we'll start with you yeah I Definitely didn't think I'd see Neymar um, in, in tomorrow's game. You know, I think it's definitely great that he's in the training facility practicing with the team. It's always a great sign. Uh, obviously, nothing compares to real real time in game minutes, uh, but it'll be great to see him hopefully uh, during the Champions League match coming off the bench. I think just his his presence alone. Um, allows for teams to change their uh, their game plan. You know, you have to game plan for Neymar. Um, what kind of Neymar you'll get, <laughs> virtually up to him, but you do have to game plan for him. So I think, depending on how that, that Madrid match goes, I think we may need that that halftime boost in a, in a Neymar. 
So we'll see what happens there. But I think in in terms of the the match tomorrow, man, I I really want to see Xavi get some minutes, man. Like he got, I think he came in like the 85th minute of of the Lille match. It's yeah. like the 85th, 86. Amen. Like give that kid some minutes, dude. You know, this is obviously a tune-up match for our starters uh, going into Champions League next next week. But I think you – is Paredes going to be playing? No, I don't think Paredes is going to be playing tomorrow. He's out. So that's that's going to be really interesting in terms of what we try to do with that midfield. Um, but I, I would like to see Xavi jump in there. I I think he's ready, man. I, this is the year where you have to kind of test your your youngsters and figure out where they are and not put them in situations where they are shooting PKs <laughs> or <laughs> in an elimination match or right. coming in at the 89th minute of a match that you've already wrapped up in halftime. Right. You know, if you're going to have this person on the team and he's going to be a part of the first team, then make him part of the first team. I do think that Messi's finding his form, which is a good sign. And I'd love to see Xavi kind of paired in that midfield with maybe Verratti or some some kind of mixture. Maybe Danilo having that big body compared to, you know, the smaller frame of Xavi, a little bit more mobile of a player, a little bit more agile. Just yeah. kind of mix it up. I, I think you take risks during this time period. You already know what you're going to get when it comes to that, that Madrid match. You know what the lineup is going to be. For the most part, um, I do think it's an opportunity for Di Maria to get a few more minutes, get him uh, kind of tuned up a little bit better. Uh, I'm expecting some goals from him as well. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, but I, I would like to see the youngsters kind of get some get some quality minutes. in. you know, instead of subbing them in at the 89th minute, how about you start the game with them? And if they're not really performing, then sub them off, you know, right. but this, right. this shouldn't be a match that's out of our control. Especially given the performance that we saw uh, the other day, it seems like the team is finding its form, which is great because this is February. This is like really the time of year where you need to be figuring out what kind of team you want to be going deep into tournaments. So uh, that's that's my hope for 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 this upcoming match. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and and I I agree with that in terms of you know. <laughs> The rotation and, and, and including players like Xavi and, and some of the other youth players. And again, in an, in an ideal situation, that would be a good idea. I just think that Potch, in, in his current situation, he's not he's not about to go out like that. Like, if he's going to go out, it ain't going to be on the terms of him having a youth player in there. But I do think if there is a youth player that he's going to include in the Madrid game or and continuing to put in the big matches, it is going to be Xavi. And like I said, Xavi's played in the last, like, 10 games. Like, whether coming off the bench or starting, whether it be league or cup, he's played in the games. But, again, it, it takes repetition, and he's, and that's what the coaches have to do. They have to find those those chances and those opportunities for, uh, for, for those youth guys to play. But I think what we'll know for sure once he gets permanently – put up onto the first team and it's not one of these on on basis type things where he goes back with the academy and then back and forth but i i I think he's ready like i there's nothing that that kid won't be able to adapt uh to or be able to you know to 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 grow into like he's he's just a special talent uh but outside of that man i i think that it, it is a chance also for 
those academy players to play because it could be a time where Poch can decide to rest guys. Uh, like, you know, Danilo can use some rest because he's played a lot uh, over the last couple or well, the last two months. Uh, but again, it, it's one of those things that, you know, the, with the physios and, and the, the, the medical staff and them knowing, like, is it, you know, is it okay to rest this guy in this match when there's what, three, four days away from that, you know, from the big game? So all those things have to t- be taken into account. Uh, but I think that, you know, we got to look at we got we also got to look at Adrisa Gay. Like I don't know when they'll be back. Him and Diallo, I'm not sure when they'll be back. But they're if not, he's they're not playing tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So even if he's not playing tomorrow, I think Adrisa Gay has to be the other starting midfielder against Madrid uh, with Verratti. But that third midfielder is you know. Danilo right now is putting on a good audition for that. And depending on how Paredes plays or Ander Herrera. So, you know, it's, it's a chance to give those guys an opportunity to play um, in, in this match tomorrow. And, you know, don't sleep on Ren. They're like, what, I think fifth or sixth on the table. So, you know, it's not going to it's not going to be a super easy game. But, you know, there hasn't really been an easy game this season, uh, given our squad. Uh, and, and the last thing I'll touch on is 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 Messi and you know, as y'all both said, that he's looks like he's finding his form and, and finding his footing within this club. And one of the more interesting things that I, you know, it's it's a it's a blessing in disguise because Neymar's been injured. But I think with Neymar's injury, it's allowed Mbappe and Messi to get a little bit of chemistry to get their little one-two going on. I agree uh, because Neymar and Mbappe got their one-two already. They've played three seasons together. Messi and Neymar got their little, you know, chemistry. So it's important for Mbappe and Messi to get that. And I think with Neymar's ab- absence, it, it it has allowed Messi and Mbappe to to sort of find their chemistry and and and, and their cohesiveness within each other in those tight spaces. And you know, when they when they returns, we can try to Pochettino, I should say, is is probably going to try to bring that all together. But um. So, so we'll, we'll see how that works. Uh, but in terms of Neymar playing, I don't think he should play against. I don't think he should be on the team tomorrow. I honestly don't think he should play the Madrid game. Uh, mm. the, the first He's already confirmed for not playing tomorrow, by the way. Okay, yeah, he he definitely shouldn't yeah, play this that. This from PSG Hub. No, um, Neymar won't be available versus Ren. He Good. continues his progress and his work with the squad and adapted athletical compliments save the club. So the club has been saying that he's been working really hard, like killing himself to make it for the, the Madrid game. Like he is the one who is like telling people that he's playing against Go Neymar. Go Neymar. Well, yeah, well, good see. for him. Good for him. But that's that's also one of those things where it's like Double somebody, yeah, somebody, a coach, a physio, somebody's got to pump his brakes a little bit because, like, dude, like you've been hurt every fucking year almost, and for these for these same reasons, like we get to the point where it's a big match in the Champions League and you're either coming back from an injury where we have to rush you back or you're not available. Mm-hmm. Like, we we have Messi and Mbappe, bro. Like, if we can't if we can't handle Madrid in that first leg with Messi and Mbappe, we shouldn't be in this conversation. So I think that we have a good enough team to beat Madrid or to, to get a good result in the first leg without Neymar. And that way you get a few games because there's a a, a a long little period between the first and second leg of the round of 16. And, and you rest him and you let him really get some good game time and don't rush him in 
when Modric and Cruz and them boys is they ready. Like <laughs> they've been yeah. doing this for months and you just coming back like, nah, that's not a good idea. But, you know, we'll see how that happens. But me personally, I think that even him being on the bench is just like, eh, you kind of pushing it. But we'll see how it goes. But I think that, you know, tomorrow's game is going to be a tune up uh, for for guys who are auditioning for that that third midfield spot. Uh, you know, the D Maria's and the Draxler's and, and, and players like that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it is a double edged sword. And I think in a perfect world, right, I, I think it's already confirmed. We're not going to see Neymar tomorrow. So don't expect it. Um, I do agree that it's going to be a tune up. Going back to something you said, John, about like players that are going to be available versus players that aren't, a couple things to keep into, keep in mind here. I've read that Gay already is confirmed as, as not playing. Um, I'm assuming Diallo would be the same, just coming back from the African Cup of Nations. They've been playing a lot, you know, so, you know, a much needed rest is probably um, warranted, especially before a big UCL match. I could see Ghana Gay getting into that starting midfield. I do believe Diallo will be there too. And I think it's going to be Barati, right? Because if I'm, my mind is, um, if I'm thinking about this correctly, Ander Herrera's hurt. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't expect to see him tomorrow. Um, Paredes has a hamstring injury that was confirmed this week. So he's out for tomorrow already confirmed. So I doubt he plays. So yeah, you're probably looking at Verratti who somehow let me not even knock on what I'm saying. Somehow isn't injured, but we have a game tomorrow. Honestly, Barati shouldn't even play tomorrow. Honestly, he should not. Um, no. I think he needs to play at least a little bit. You know, the right thing to do is to play a couple of minutes just to you know continue to build that chemistry with Nate with uh, Messi. But if we just know Barati, like he sh- he shouldn't even suit up. He sh- like didn't he get hurt in training last year, like before Dortmund or not Dortmund before Barcelona or maybe it was the Dortmund game. I don't remember, but yeah, he got hurt yeah. in training one year, so. But, yeah, Javis, you get some minutes. Draxler's back. He'll probably get some minutes in the midfield, um, you know, depending on where they position Messi in that game. Um, if he's going to kind of play in the hole, should be interesting. Um, I know Michoud has COVID, so we're not going to see him. So we're always complaining about having so many people, um, you know, available to us in the midfield that's been too, it's been too congested, and now it feels like we don't have a lot. I know Genie, I believe, was reported as being back in training this week. So interested to see if he's going to get some minutes. I think what he missed the last three games, mm-hmm. I believe. So that'll be interesting to see if, you know, um, if he's available. And if he is, I'm thinking about now. You know, it could be a Varadi, Genie, and either Gay or uh, Danilo kind of midfield pairing, or it could go super defensive. I'd be interested to see if Posh goes with a super defensive midfield at home like that. You know, when when you probably want to press the attack a little bit. But in regards to Neymar again, I think the ideal situation is he doesn't start. PSG are able to get an early lead um, and even get control of the game, whether that's a 2-0, 3-1, or even, you know, 1-0 and, and you just feel like you've controlled the game. And then maybe at the end, we can give him, you know, 15, 20 minutes at the end. Um, or, you know, give Pox the freedom to say, you know what, the deed is done. You know, the job is taken care of. Just get your rest. You'll play in the upcoming two matches that we have before. That'll be your tune-up. And then you'll play in the second leg. 
you know, I'm definitely of the mindset of, of don't push it. Maybe, you know, if you're losing, if you're tied or losing, do you break the glass and, you know, bring him on? Like if PSG go into halftime at down two nothing at the park, do you think Potts brings him on at halftime? He probably will because it's it's pressure it's pressure time pressure. right like of course that, he will yeah and, and, and it's, so, it's from pressure from the from the fan base expectations of his job being on the line and then the pressure of Neymar being such a big star and wanting to play right. so yeah, yeah he, he's gonna fold or not even I wouldn't even say fold but yeah he, he, like, he hey. probably would bring him in, in that situation yeah yeah I think it'll be interesting though because I, I and y'all correct me if I, if I'm wrong here. I think the thing that was very interesting about the Lille match is this is one of the first times that I've seen Messi playing as a nine. Because I was wondering, like, how the hell is he getting to the ball like this? Yeah. But he's always been playing off the wing. And we've been obviously complaining about this a lot. Like, why is he on the wing? But the minute that he's in that nine and he can get in that box, well, he was going crazy. So, you know, John, to your point of, of when these three superstars get back together, what is that going to look like? And I guess mm-hmm. I guess kudos to to Poch for finally playing Messi as a nine. Like yeah. no <laughs> see kudos, how that works. Bro. No clue. <laughs> like, why did why did it take this long to do this? Like we've we're not even and you know we always joke around about giving managers shit and players shit and like listen, we're not professional footballers, right? And we'll never claim to be we you know it's one thing to look at a game afterwards or, or from a bird's eye view on the television and then critique it but i just feel like all season right like we're now in the middle of february and it's like you've continuously played messi on the right which made no sense he doesn't have that pace anymore and it was clear as day like when messi gets the ball in open space like people are closing him down quick bro he's not he's not getting nowhere anymore right so like um i think it was they actually may have tried this before, but Messi just like was still, you know, getting used to it. And he's still not perfect. But Mbappe said it best. I think there was a quote from him after the game saying, um, you know, Messi is best in the middle where he can touch the ball a lot and get into the game, you know, at multiple, you know, facets of the game and kind of really influence the game. And Mbappe was like, me personally, I can play anywhere and I will always rather play around Messi than Messi play around me. And he was like, and for example, me personally, I play really well on the left, so it works, right? And he plays well on the right too. So when Neymar comes back, they can play on the wing with Messi as the focal point. I think what's going to be more confusing, a little bit more difficult, is Ney likes to drift inside, kind of like Di Maria does. So Ney likes to drift in, come in on his right, and dribble towards like the penalty spot almost, and potentially get Messi's way. So. They'll have to figure that out. But one thing you see with this PSG team a lot, whether it's Di Maria, whether it's Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, very often, and I saw it a lot this past weekend, was them switching positions. Like yeah. you seeing Mbappe in the middle for a little bit. Then you're seeing Messi in the middle for a little bit. Then you're seeing Di Maria on the right. You're seeing Di Maria on the left, Mbappe on the right. So um, they're seeing things and attacking it differently where Mbappe will be like, yo, switch with me real quick. Let's let's try something different. So um you know, there, there is that fluidity there and Pach is giving them that freedom to do that because some teams, you know, managers are a little bit more stringent where they want you to stick to a, a specific shape. Obviously, you probably can't do that with this team, right? So good stuff. I think we're all on the same page. We're probably going to do a pod before the Madrid game, but just, you know, providing a couple of brief updates that I read about today, you guys may have seen. It looks like um, Benzema and Mendy both 
things are looking pretty shaky for them, actually. So one of the reporters that reports on them pretty frequently says the Mendy thing looks bad and the Benzema thing looks even worse. For Villarreal, they're looking like a heavy doubt and looking like a doubt still even for PSG. And if, <clears throat> excuse me, if Benzema does play against PSG, he definitely won't be 100%. And tough decisions ahead for Carlo Ancelotti. So this weekend will be big to see if they play. Um, it's trending towards a no. Um, but, you know, Benzema is saying that he wants to play. And apparently Ancelotti has said that even if uh, Kareem is not 100% that he plans on still playing him. So they're dealing with a little bit of the same situation that we're dealing with um, from an ultras perspective. So um, any take there? I'm not sure how much you guys have been following Real last couple of weeks, but... You know, do you think this is a bluff or, you know, did you see the injury? Do you think that, you know, Neymar and, and uh, Kareem Benzema are going to kind of be in the same spot in terms of fitness and availability? John? Yeah, I, I think that I think just just real quick, I think that it's it's not the same situation in terms of Neymar, because if, if Mendy was to suit up in this match on Tuesday, I think just in terms of gameplay and 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 you know, familiarity be, with being on the pitch lately, like he would be more ready than Neymar would because he's he's played recently. But you know, just given the the severity of the injury, I'm not sure. I didn't. I don't know what happened to Mendy. Uh, but you know, and just to within this situation, it kind of brought up in my mind, like you think about. I don't know if I don't I don't follow that many Real Madrid fans. So I don't know what their stress level is with the Benzema thing, but. I don't imagine that they're kind of like losing their shit over Benzema being potentially out because they have Jovis, they have Hazard, and they have other players, Isco and Asensio, players that you can place in that. You know, obviously Benzema is irreplaceable, and there's there's no one like him. But it's one of those things they have that mentality. Next player up with us, we're trying to rush Neymar. You know, at least in in most fans' minds, like we're hoping Neymar is 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 ready a little bit to even play in this match because we don't have a chance otherwise. And I think that is the difference between the mentalities of the of the clubs in terms of just the the, the pedigree. It's like next man up, bro. Like if he's not ready, he's not ready. I don't think we're gonna see. We're, we're, we're going to see a different Real Madrid without Benzema because Benzema is a world-class player, but I don't think the urgency, the sense of urgency in the fight and the character and the spirit and their style of play, that's not going to waver. And, you know, Carlo, Don Carlo is going to have them playing or going to try to play the same type of ball that they've been playing thus far. So from that, from that perspective, um, I, I don't think that we're going to see too much difference from, from Real Madrid, you know, even with Mandy being out, they, Marcelo is still, still capable you know obviously not as agile and, and he can't get up and down like mendy but he's cooked Mar- food bro if marcelo's in the game he's cooked food he's cooked food uh well yeah he he's he's cooked food if, if mbappe's on that wing but yeah like I, I just think that he can he can provide something from them offensively that that, that mendy normally doesn't because mendy's is a traditional fullback he he actually defends and then marcelo's just there to be a he's pretty much a, a winger essentially so you know, I say all that to say that you know, if 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 Benzema isn't there, obviously for us, it's yeah, it's we we get a little advantage there because he's a he's a great player. Uh, but I, I don't think if Benzema doesn't play, we shouldn't be chopping at the bits and thinking that we have any bigger chance than we did before. And just to um, before James goes, and probably gonna say the same thing. So it looks like I remember the Benzema injury was like a hamstring 
it looks like he was getting better and then he re-injured it in training within the last two weeks. And then for Mendy, very similar. It looks like it was a muscle injury, some kind of contusion. And this happened at the end of January. So he's leading up to the PSG game. Looks like he like he would also have missed about somewhere between three and three and four or five games as well. So um, yeah, listen, it's um, from my point of view, it's going to be an opportunity. Um, I think no matter who plays, you're at home. PSG need a convincing win to take to the uh, the Bernabeu, right? You know, um, and also let's not forget that there is no wiggle rule either. So you know, if <clears throat> excuse me, if Real Madrid do pull up like a, a draw or something, you know, that's it's no benefit to them, right? Like if it's still a, a completely even you know showing or there's no oh two one, but Madrid got an away goal. No, that's not a thing anymore. So PSG win 2-1. It's a 2-1 win straight up, right? And, and we'll take it. So um, ideally a goal by a two-goal margin or a win by a two-goal margin would be would be perfect. But um, James, what are you thinking, man? You know, you just, Benzema's not there. You're going for the juggler. Or you think it, it doesn't matter that, you know, without them, they're still, they're still a heavy threat when you look at the likes of Isco, Asensio, um, Vinicius. Keep going. The list goes, yeah, the list goes on. The list goes on. Man, listen, in the Champions League, you don't give a damn who scores so long as you score. And it is the next man up mentality. We have to play as though goddamn Cristiano Ronaldo is still playing for Real Madrid. It's it's that serious for us. And I've said this countless times. You know, we are playing the opponent and we are playing ourselves at the same time. That's just how this club is. We cannot afford to take our foot off the gas for any reason. Nothing about this club this season has shown me we got this in the bag. Don't worry. This is an advantage for us. Who knows what can happen in a few days? We might end up, you know, playing Mbappe, God forbid, knock on wood, and he gets injured in the nonce game. So, like, I mean, excuse me, in the rain game. So let's not, you know, wave the uh, wave the banners too soon. I think it's always going to be the next man up. I think Real Madrid has that mentality already. You know, uh, I think they were playing Isco as a nine. They were playing Isco as a nine in their last match um, with Asensio and Rodrigo on the wings. They can reformat themselves real quick. So, like... <laughs> Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. And these are some players that have been playing with each other for quite some time. Um, Asensio obviously has a lot to prove, um, as well as Isco, I should say. Um, you know, I'm not sure if Vinicius is is injured or he'll play or whatever. But there's they have a lot of weapons, man. So and they have a really great coach. Uh, so they cannot be taken for granted whatsoever. Um, but I'm going to put some respect on our name too and say neither can we. All right, there we go. I'm sure I'm sure the fans <laughs> will be happy to hear that. We need to be respected as well, especially because we'll we'll be home. And yeah, I'm I'm excited for this match. I was excited before the the injury report. You know, I never get excited to hear anybody is going to be out because I want us to play the best of the best at their full strength because I want exactly. us to be at our full strength too. We don't we don't shy away from a gunfight, but. You know, it doesn't change anything for me. I just hope to see a really good match. Even if we go down, I want us to play at a high level um, and, and have a very, uh, uh, a very uh, 
beautiful style of play. That's that's what I look for more than anything else. Yeah, listen, I think I expect a good performance. You know, when you think that the likes of Messi, you know, this is the time that he was brought in for. Um, you know, Neymar's coming back whether he plays or not. You look at Mbappe, I think, you know, he's going to want to perform. I think whether he, you know, however we feel about the situation with Real Madrid and his contract, I think he is a competitor. I think he does care about PSG. And I think, at, you know, at the end of the day, he always just wants to perform on the biggest stage. Right. And I think so. This is the biggest stage. So I think whether it's an audition to show fans what he is bringing to Spain or to show fans that, you know, his love and his heart at the current moment is still with PSG, at least until the end of the season. And, you know, he takes off that that jersey. You know, I think he's going to look to prove a point. Um, and I think he's reiterated that over and over again. So I'm excited. I think um, no matter who plays, I'm expecting, you know, a good performance. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll feel even better, you know, if we can kind of come out tomorrow and and show and prove type of thing, you know. But that'll also be um, dependent on who plays. But let's see. You know, I want to see some some uh, some good football at the end of the day, just like you guys do. So awesome. Um, this is an interesting one. So, you know, some of the folks in the Discord actually passed this over to us and asked us to give, you know, our take. Um, so this is a recent kind of um, message that went out from the PSG Ultras. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just read it real quickly. I'm going to read it in French for you guys. No, absolutely not. Um, that was <laughs> shout, out to, uh, shout out to Ed. I won't, won't put you guys through that. Um, shout out to Ed for doing his best to, to translate. He did say it's not 100%, you know, literal, but it should be close enough to, you know, give us the gist of, of what they were trying to say. So basically, um, they say they're fed up for too long now. The club has looked like something we can't tolerate anymore. A club that wants to be a global brand, obsessed uh, obsessed with shirt sales to the point of forgetting its true colors and insulting its fans by playing in the away shirts at the Parc de France. A club that piles up stars like a spoiled child without thinking about coherent sporting projects. A club that dreams so much bigger that it feels like a season starts in February and domestic competitions don't matter. We don't recognize our club, which seems to have lost even its cup DNA following the recent defeat against Nice. Today, our patience has reached its limit. The sports management of our club is incomprehensible on every level, constantly switching coaches without ever putting forward a game plan coherent with the player signed, underutilizing players that are so well paid that football doesn't seem to be their priority anymore. Youth management makes no sense, no respect for the women's team, and let's not forget the special privileges given to some or some events that should be that shouldn't have taken place in or that should have taken place in telenovelas in the professional football club or not in a professional football club. We have always given our full support despite huge disappointments. Today we want to sound the alarm. Players, executives, it's time to react or we will once again meet unacceptable upsets. Respect us, respect our colors. Collectif, ultras, pay. So, listen, man. I think you know. Uh, one of you guys made a made a joke um, after we had kind of read this before started recording that this basically just sounds like what we've been saying on the pod for the last couple of weeks, right? So we're not the only ones um, who are just kind of fed up. Um, I think that there are definitely subliminals in here for for multiple players. Um, I'll be honest. One thing that I'm glad they brought up, but I personally hadn't thought about that much 
was, and this could be more, you know, for an American thing, I think as an American or, you know, my love for sports is I usually just love seeing my team, no matter who they are, wear their whatever color or whatever jersey that I like the most. If they're wearing it, I, I enjoy it. I think it's actually very common here in the U.S., you know, from an NFL standpoint for sometimes like the New York Giants, that's my football team. They used to wear their away jerseys at home all the time, which was their white and red and blue, um, you know, fits. I don't necessarily love the pink jersey. I wasn't upset that they wore, you know, the away jersey at home. But to individuals who grew up loving the sport and, you know, speak about the colors, that that is a big deal, apparently. You know, and I, I respect them for speaking up. Right. So um, I love that aspect. I think it looks like they they had some words I'm, I'm assuming could be addressed to Neymar, you know, special privileges. When I hear that, I think about, you know, him leaving early for vacation or coming back late, going to Carnival, um, going to friends, birthday parties, throwing his own, you know, massive birthday parties, you know, a couple of days before a big Champions League game. And then when I hear uh, telenovelas, you know, I, I think that that potentially could be, um, you know, insinuated towards him. I think we all agree, you know, with the youth management making no sense. Um, players that are so paid so well that football is not their priority. You know, when I think about that, I think about players like Draxler, um, someone who is paid well and has been, you know, they've tried to sell him on multiple occasions, but Buddy never seems to want to leave. Him and his lady are happy in Paris. And, you know, he is, I remember one day he had all the players post like a skincare or a hair gel brand that he was putting together that he had everyone, you know, post in the, in the locker room. You have Kempembe who's, you know, even though he plays, I, I wouldn't call him underutilized, you know, promoting his own clothing brand. Um, and other things, right? You just think about all the players that just kind of don't care about football anymore because they just get paid and they just want to live in Paris. So it's not the first time that we've seen the ultras kind of, you know, speak up, especially before a big match. So this seems like a lot of it, you know, is directed, but this is just like a let's light the fire, you know, before this world game to, to get the players excited. I'd be interested to see if something like this circulates in the locker room. Um, when you think about players that grew up in Paris, like, and went through the academy, like, uh, you know, Presnel, and then someone that grew up in the area, like, like Killian, um, and pe people that have been there for years, like, if they take what the ultras say seriously, because PSG's ultras are, you know, one of the, you know, I wouldn't say few, but one of the more hardcore fan bases when you think about ultras, you know, in um, amongst the big clubs nowadays, right, who travel very well. Like, I don't know if I've seen us play against a team that their fans travel as as well as ours do. And I remember specifically when we went to uh, Manchester and we played Man United and we were winning, the commentator even made a comment and was like, yo, do you hear the PSG fans? Like those dudes travel and they're, they take this shit seriously. So, um, James, I'll start with you, man. You know, what was just your overall takeaway? What did you resonate with most, you know, from what they said? And no podium this week, man. Uh, they brought the podium. <laughs> they brought the podium. I don't have no, Straight up. <laughs> no Straight. rant, no rant from me this week. They got, they said it, uh, you know, having a, a, a fan base that is this invested in the club um, and and has the the political cachet to make their presence known is very important and I think that is one of the things that I love about this sport versus versus other sports right like the uh, 
<laughs> I don't know if anybody's been following, but uh, Lakers fans are, are really going through it right now. Uh, team is in shambles, Sheesh. right? And the 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 fans are making their opinions known, but it doesn't it doesn't have the same culture around it like you find in 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 football right there's a culture around the fans like there's a culture around the club and the players and i appreciate these these uh ultras for making their voice known because they're usually ever wrong and every time we hear from them it is in dramatic fashion and for a very specific reason um i remember when we crashed out of the champions league uh after losing to um manchester united right because of kempembe um handball issue and kempembe actually made a video saying i'm going to be better it was very dramatic black and white all of that but it was addressed to the ultras you will never see you know james harden or what russell westbrook making a video to the fans like apologizing saying i will be better it's just not the same culture and so i think Tied to your to, to answer your question, I think it obviously will get back to the players, right? Now, what it what that translates into, what that actually does, is a totally different story. You know, I remember when all the Mbappe fiasco was going on, and then he would come to the park and they would boo him, and he would say, "Well, at least they care, right? Whether they're booing or whatever, it shows that they care." Exactly. And so these players are aware of the impact that their action on and off the pitch have with not just the regular fans, but the culture and the heart of the club. Like the ultras are the heart of this club for better or worse. And none of the things that they've said uh, are, are incorrect. You know, I think we all need to do a better job of uh, covering and, and respecting the women's team. Like they kill it. <laughs> you know, they kill it straight up. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think as there's a lot of money around around the sport that allows for superstars to do a lot of things outside of it, for better or for worse. Uh, but I, I think a club like PSG does cater to its its superstars, and that's been a double edged sword for us at times. And, and we're definitely seeing the chickens coming home to roost. When it's very hard to build a collective unity of a club when there's so many individual personalities to tend to. And that's something that we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about and we'll have to address at another time. But nothing that they said was out of bounds or, or out of the ordinary. And I think in terms of the kit, you know, wearing a home kit or wearing an away kit at home or whatever, you know, I, I'm not going to take up that fight. I like the shirts. I think they look cool. You know, <laughs> I, I think the club sometimes has a very Western influence, which would cause them to forget the importance of wearing the proper kit at the proper venue, you know? So that's just, that's on the club. Like they're going to advertise what they want to. It's, it's their yeah. shop. Am I, am I wrong? Or I feel like, first of all, the new kid they dropped today is fire. The white one yeah. is, is clean. Um, you know, I'll definitely be getting it. And definitely the shorts as well. I need a pair of those Jordan shorts. But for as long as I can remember, not just PSG, but all teams drop four kits a year, right? You have your home your home and away. You have your 
kind of your third kit and then you usually get another kit around this time like a sponsored kit yeah yeah right so it's it's um yeah i just wanted to make sure to see if if we always you know we can't do nothing right though in 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 everybody's eyes so oh no they can listen they they can wear that kit i mean that's just like i said it doesn't bother me but i respect it though right i respect like what the blue and red you know and there was a big there was a big uproar as well when the psg jordan collab came out this year with the way the jersey looked with the collar being red and us taking away the red stripe down the middle like apparently that is something that is very symbolic with psg the uh the hector is that how you say the hector stripe down the middle um and a lot of the ultras and psg fans were like pretty pissed that that stripe wasn't there and you know whether you like it or not you know like they did that one where it was like a squig like fuzzy on the side kind of um it looked like someone took like a crayon and just like went like that on the side or down <laughs> yeah. the middle. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, like that Hector strike was still there. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, first you do, you take the stripe away and now you're, you know, wearing a pink and white kit at the park. I can understand how that could, yeah. how that could upset some people, but John, what do you think, man? Any specific takeaways or are you kind of just on the same page with us? Like you respect it, but nothing that they're talking about is really, you know, weighing too heavy on you personally. Yeah, I think I think uh, y'all hit it on the head uh, pretty much. I mean, the only thing I would add to that is, and we we had this discussion way back. I forget, I forget. I think it was the season uh, where we had the all white Jordan, the first all white Jordan, uh, and people felt like that kid is fire. That kid is extremely fire. Tough. But people fo- people thought that it was bad luck because we lost the, the, against Manchester United in in that kit, and even then I was like, it don't matter what we wear, bro. If the team is trash, the team is trash. It don't matter what you wear. So that that's my take on that. But from the from the ultras perspective, obviously there's a deeper meaning there, and you know they're right. You know PSG is f- more focused on building the brand. Uh, Opposed to what they should be doing on the pitch, and 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 like you said at the beginning, James, like this, bro, like this is this is what we've been saying. So if y'all thought we was sounding all sad in the last few podcasts, like we're not the only people who's who's saying the same thing. Like the ultras are, like you said, they're the heart and soul of PSG. When you think about when QSI came in, the ultras are the only real thing that or, or entity. That is of the original, you know, of, of the of the original PSG. So their their words hold weight, you know, in in that sense, you know. And, and there's nothing that they said that was untrue. Like literally, like the thing that stands up to me stands out to me is we do not recognize our club. Like we do not recognize, and when, when we say that, we're not talking about Pochettino's lack of identity on the pitch. We're talking about a, a, a team that has these ambitions. To, to do these great things, but yeah, that's, you know, you, you're getting lost in the sauce is what the, the ultras are saying. Like y'all are going way far left. Like we was cool with this project, but now y'all are like, y'all going so far as we're, we're like consistently losing cut matches. Now, what is this stuff about? Like, this is not the PSG we knew uh, or we know is, is essentially what they're saying. So I agree with everything they said, like literally to the T, um, and it's what we've been saying this whole time. It's like we there has to be a priority on the pitch. Like PSG can teach a lesson. They can they can have a curriculum 
in colleges across the world on how to build in a brand with with the PSG Jordan collaborations, all those things. But you're a soccer club, you're a football club. And what's most important is what happens on the pitch and what happens on the pitch clearly has not been prioritized other than just bringing in new, these new sexy toys and by way of Messi and Neymar. And, you know, as fans, we appreciate it, but there, there's no, if there's no real, you know, umph behind it, like, yeah, it's, it, it's time for, for, for them to, to, to sort of ring the alarm and say like, yo, we're, we're not cool with this. We're not cool with this anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel it, man. Like whatever they say pretty much is, is um they're pretty much speaking on our behalf right uh, you know psg don't follow psg twitter and all that stuff but they hear what the ultras got to say so you know in in that regard their their words uh hold weight and no lie was told and if the only if i can only if i can point out one issue with this is the timing of it because this is the issue i've had with french journalism from as long as I've been covering and watching PSG, there's always something big that comes out in the media before a big match. And I think that distracts the players in it. And, and, and to answer your question, it does get to the locker room, like, because we've seen it in the past, like the players feel the pressure of keep putting out a story or something happening. So I think the timing of it, I didn't like because, you know, it's, it's before a really big match. Uh, but outside of that, like it's either going to kick them in the ass and, and push them to, to, to play well and and keep in the back of their minds when they playing like you already got a pissed off fan base. So don't go out there and lay it done because it ain't going to be sweet for you when you get back. So, you know, it's a double edged sword in that way. It's like it's either going to motivate them or it's just going to put extra pressure on them. And so we'll, we'll see. But I completely agree with everything outside of the. The jersey thing, I think that's, you know, that's a more of a French culture thing in terms of the colors and maybe just football in general. But, yeah, I'm it, it don't make no difference for me. But I totally agree with everything that the, that the Ultras uh, put out in their press release. Yeah, I don't, you know, not much more to say. You know, hopefully it, it wakes them up. Hopefully it doesn't cause more drama than needed. Jumping back to tomorrow's match, it looks like I'm, you know, courtesy of Paris No Limit on IG. Um, looks like I might have been slightly misinformed about a couple of things. So, yes, Herrera is hurt. It looks like um, Ramos is injured, but he did resume training um, this week. He won't be available tomorrow, but it looks like Paredes and Genie both are available. So it has a probable lineup tomorrow of Navas and Goal. So it looks like um, Donnarumma potentially could be rested. Bernat, either Kempembe or um, Kerr, paired with Marquinhos. Hakimi on the other side. Verratti, um, definitely playing it has. Dina Ibimbe or Paredes. And then either Draxler or Wijnaldum. So it looks like it expects maybe Danilo to get a rest. So maybe that is an indication that he will play against Real Madrid since he has been playing pretty heavily. And then Di Maria and Bobby and Messi to start the game. So we should see. Um, should be interesting. We'll definitely, you know, follow up with that after the, the game tomorrow. And then just a couple, you know, as we wrap up here, just a couple quick, you know, topics um, that we can touch on, like, relatively quickly. One thing I read this week was that um, PSG now are kind of conflicted and hesitant to extend Di Maria's contract. It looks like Di Maria wants to stay at least one more year. 
they're unsure and there's a possibility of them not extending and either Di Maria retiring or potentially going somewhere on a free. Um, how do you guys feel when you think about, you know, the possibility of Pochettino leaving to talk about kind of restructuring the sporting project? Um, obviously, Di Maria has been, you know, an integral part of who we are, our DNA since he got here. Tremendous player. One of my favorite signings when you think about just what he's brought to the team week in and week out. Um are you guys at his age, at what he's paid? Are you guys a fan of, you know, bringing him back? Or do you feel like it's one of those things where we have to eventually kind of just rip the bandaid off and and become a little bit younger on the wings and up front? John, start with you. Oh, my bad. I, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, re-sign Di Maria. Let me reiterate that. Resign Fidel. Uh, he is one of those players who's come up clutch for us. In, in Champions League matches and, and you know, just think about the, the match against Napoli. Um, and I think the, the the issue there for me is if you don't re-sign him, are we thinking Dembele, right? Like, are we who are we thinking to bring us that winger? It's because I said the last pod, outside of Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria, we don't really have any true wingers on this on this roster that that you can say like yes we'll plug them in on that right wing or left wing and they hold down that space the way Di Maria had does we don't really have that so if you're gonna if you're not gonna re-sign him you know are you thinking long term in terms of you're gonna you know bring in a, another player in that position or do you plan to go a different direction but in terms of just destroying and rebuilding this PSG team I don't think Di Maria is the piece. For me, that determines that I think he's he is replaceable in that sense, given his age and and, and those type of things. Uh, but I don't think he is the domino that falls, and you're like, oh, okay, PSGR destroying this thing and and trying to rebuild from the ground up like that. That's not the move. Uh, but again, I go back to how valuable he's been since he's been here. I think he's like his assist record is crazy, um, and. He's he's a veteran. He's played in big matches, Champions League winner, and you know uh, seems like to be a good locker room guy. And I think that uh, he comes up in those he comes up big in those clutch moments for us. And I think if we can use him next year, like yeah, that's that's not that's a no brainer for me to to bring to keep him on the roster. But the only thing is, if you're thinking like you're gonna bring a Dembele in or or another winger to, to occupy that space. Then sure, go for it. But otherwise, no, Di Maria has to be resigned, in my opinion. You think James Man be bringing a blinging Flaquito back, El Fideo, the magician? Man, I should work in this front office because, like, they they can't fool me with this. They can't fool me. They're gonna resign him. Like they give him the you, max. They give him the bag. Five years. Five I don't know if max. they give him the. They might hit him with a. With maybe a one or two year, you know, given the messy contract, but like realistically speaking, this team is all in on this club in this format right now. And we've had conversations about this um, at length. Like y'all can't bail on this project until after World Cup. Full stop. So stop. This is cap. A hundred percent. Go ahead and re-sign him because you don't have a sporting project or the or the blueprint for a new sporting project anytime soon. You still have to figure out. 
me figure out they're still having conversations with Mbappe's family trying to convince him to stay. So this team is all over the place, um, you know, from a front office perspective. It's all over the place. Go ahead and sign Di Maria again. Of course, we have to figure out how to play him um, with that, that, you know, messy Neymar and Mbappe front three. Still have to figure out what makes sense in terms of getting Di Maria some quality minutes. But at the same time, like, you don't have a better option. Like, you're not signing Dembele. Like, stop, stop. You know, this next story. Um, I, I do agree. I think um, I think a one-year deal at 33, you know, potentially could make sense, especially if he's maybe willing to restructure his contract and, and take less wages if he truly just likes, you know, wants to finish his career at PSG, which is what he said multiple times. And wants to stay in Paris, you know, his his family is happy there. You know, if he's willing to take a little bit less money in the wages and let us bring some more youth products, you know, up, especially I think it's smart to keep him if you plan on going after Dembele just because of his inability to stay on the pitch. You know, if, if you know, having Di Maria in that spot is, isn't a bad idea. And he hasn't proven us wrong yet, right? I think he's he's had a good year. And if you're a new PSG fan and you haven't like really watched Di Maria, this dude is cold-blooded. This dude is cold, bro. Like, when he was at Real Madrid, different. Different gravy, man. And when he first joined PSG, like, when he was playing with, you know, Ibrahimovic and Cavani, this this dude was nasty. And he had a, a, a filthy year, like, two seasons ago. Uh, I remember the year that we went to the final. I think it was when we played Bruges in the group stage. I remember he was just diamond up Mbappe left and right, bro. Like it was, it was sick. So um, he definitely has lost a little bit, but I mean, the mat, the left foot is magical. You never know what you're going to get from it. So if the conditions were right, I personally wouldn't be upset. Um, I do think that, you know, we, we do need to bring more youth into the team. And I do think that there has been a conversation. Again, I don't know who's, you know, having these conversations but it was part of the um the leak about like how they want to reduce redo the sporting project that psg really wanted to get back to really incorporating more french players in their team and get away from it being just a south american team and kind of get back to its roots right with you know individuals who were born and raised in france so we should see um next story um really not a story but the leak today that uh, apparently uh, a host of senior Man United players in the locker room have all kind of spoken up and have let it be known that they believe Poch is the right man for the for the Man United gig. I think we, as we've all known already, Poch, you know, was asked recently about Zidane uh, joining PSG. You know, he had to shrug that off and kind of just say he's he's happy and he's focused on the right now. He's not too worried about um, you know the the Zidane, the Zidane rumors. But with that being said. We reported last pod that it's pretty much sounds like it's a done deal that, you know, Pochettino will be let go and will go his own way at the end of the season. Right. So um, I don't know if you guys have anything on that, on the whole Man United thing, or it's kind of just a foregone conclusion that he's gone and not surprising if he goes to, to Man United. Yeah, who cares? Boo, tomato, 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 throwing tomatoes. Like, no, like, who cares? Yeah, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going uh, away from the club. If he goes to Man United, I'm not certain, but it's pretty 
understood by everybody at this point that this is his last hurrah at PSG. Wish him all the best, but as far as like Man United business, like man, please. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Man, James, yeah. I don't care about that, bro. Do tomatoes. Um, yeah, it was from Telefoot, <laughs> and they basically said also that um, several claims say he could even leave sooner if Paris is knocked out by Madrid. But whatever, bro. If we get knocked out by Madrid, you'll be ran out of town by the ultras anyway. And um, <laughs> not sure if you guys saw real quick, the new renderings came up this week of PSG's new training center. Looks pretty nice. Um, that's real news. That's, that's real news right there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Uh-huh. Uh, it, looks, it looks real nice. So if you guys haven't seen it, um, make sure to check out PSG Hub on Twitter. They post some renderings yesterday. Um, looks like they've already actually broken ground on the site. Um, you know, when it's UCL time, someone always has to chime in from the other team. I saw Marka, a journalist at Marka today, says that PSG's new training center is heavily influenced by Val de Bebas, which is, I believe, Real Madrid's training center. Um, bro, get out of here, man. Your shit was built in, like, who knows when. Man, yeah. they got finished building that stadium. Focus so, on that. They got um, finished that. Yeah, that's pretty much it that I have. And then um, little kind of crumbs dropped this week on, you know, some kind of dealings between PSG and uh, uh, Paqueta. From Lyon, looks like the relationship between Leonardo and Paqueta is a special one. Um, and Paqueta is very keen on joining PSG in the summer. He's high on Leonardo's list. No contact between the clubs. But um, mutual interest is a good starting point. And then also talks have already taken place for Erling Holland, facilitated by Nasser and Leonardo's excellent relationship with Mino. Uh, competition for Holland this summer sets to be tough. So Yeah, right. Like, come on, man. That man going to Madrid. Uh, we'll see. I think. <laughs> like, I, I what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't know if he's going to Madrid. I honestly have heard, you know, out of nowhere now, Barcelona out of nowhere has money. So, speaking um, of the devil, they are apparently making a strong push for Holland to really try and reignite um, the the you know La Liga as a whole and and the whole Real Madrid Barcelona thing. Would you guys rather see Holland at Barcelona? And Mbappe at Madrid, or both of them on the same team, just destroying Europe. Neither. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. I also yeah. saw that they were talking about uh, RL Nine might go to Real Madrid. Everybody's linked to Real Madrid. I'm linked to Real Madrid. Like, and and when we, when I was watching the Lille match, I don't know what the beans the Bean Sports commentators. I don't know what they be on, but they be tripping all the time. But they was talking about Ronaldo coming to PSG. Like, yeah. PSG. I'm like, what? I I've heard this. That. I heard it. I heard that somewhere else. Somewhere have reported that um, PSG are interested in in Ronaldo. If Mbappe leaves, like basically no. they don't see a home for him anymore, or it's not working out at Man United. You know, and if there's not going to be any Champions League football next season, then you know he wants out. Listen. No, bro. No. I want no parts of Ronaldo. Like. If they bring in Ronaldo, that just tells me that it's just like it's again just a money grab, right? And, and it's yeah. more about shirt sales. The only way that I would be interested in Ronaldo or like be like, you know what, okay, is unlike the Poch situation with Messi, where Messi was brought in and Poch didn't really want him, is if Zidane comes in and Zidane has, you know, an idea and plan in his head that he says, I need Ronaldo here. You know, if, if he says that and he's like, I have a plan for this, like it's going to work and it's his choice as the coach, then I'll be open to it. I don't necessarily want it, but 
I'll give him that freedom. Um, but if it's like if, if he comes here and then I hear a rumor about he didn't really want this was like a Leonardo and Nasser, how can you pass up Ronaldo? Like, come on, man. Come on, we're, you can. You can just that, just yeah. say no. Learn yeah, from the station to Messi and just like just, just <laughs> let it let it be. So, um, all right, guys, thank you as always for joining us, um, fellows. Love having you guys here every week. This is a blast, man. To kind of just you know always get a chance to to bullshit and, and talk PSG. Um, we will be back. Should be back relatively shortly. So early in the week, expect us back. We should have some other um, PSG contributors picking up the. Uh, the French connection. Our, our guy Guillaume should be hopefully joining the show or, or some other contributors. And we'll try and give you guys a post Rens pod as well as a, a pre UCL focus pod. Um, so until next time, as always, stay safe.